Good thing we're live here on the podcast. Um, welcome here on this, what is it, Monday, May 9th. We have J.J. Wilcox, NFL safety, who will be joining the show shortly. And uh, look forward to talking about some new updated NFL topics and seeing how um, the NFL offseason continues to go. Now, there is rookie mini camps that are already underway for the NFL. As you saw last weekend, a couple of rookies that hit the ground running um, and were able to go and start working with their new teams. And so I think it's always fascinating to see how these players can get in there. You know, day one, they're trying to figure out the playbook. A lot of it is is mental repetitions. Um, we know that the NFL season is still a ways away um, actually a couple of months. So this is a time for the rookies to really get going, insulated, and, and you're hoping that you're in, um, good shape, making sure that you are coming in, you know, training all pre-draft process. And next thing you know, um, you're ready to, to do that conditioning test that a lot of NFL teams put these rookies through. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, obviously the big news today was, um, the release of James Bradbury, the New York Giants cornerback. Uh, the Giants explored the trade market for James Bradbury, but ultimately came to the realization that uh, they couldn't quite figure out a deal. I do know that the Kansas City Chiefs were interested in acquiring James Bradbury via trade, but things never really went far, especially leading up to the NFL draft. That is when um, the... Kansas City Chiefs had a, had explored the idea of acquiring James Bradbury. Uh, of course, Brett Veach and company going full um, full go on the defensive side of the ball, drafting multiple corners, including Trent McDuffie, the first-round pick out of Washington. So he fell out of their plans quickly once rolled in. Um, but then you also had to um, express interest in James Bradbury in a trade and – According to some some reporters, um, both teams had reached an agreement that would have sent a late round pick to the New York Giants um, with James Bradbury heading to Houston. But both sides, the Texans reps and Bradbury's reps, could not agree to terms on a revised deal. So the trade collapsed and pretty much left the Giants without any real options other than to release the 28-year-old cornerback. Now, I'm going to say um, whoever can sign James Bradbury is going to get a very good cornerback this late into the offseason, which is a rarity. I mean, typically you have the top-of-the-line free agents that are flying off uh, the shelves early in free agency in March. And then, of course, you have the NFL draft. In this period, a lot of teams will go and make signings, but it's mainly just um, to, to plug and fill holes bring in a veteran on a one-year deal, see if he can win a, a roster spot over a rookie in training camp or vice versa. But to have a guy like James Bradbury just hit the market here on May 9th, I think that's a pretty significant development, especially there's a bunch of teams that are in need of shoring up their secondary. And, you know, the teams that I mentioned in trade talks with the Texans and the Chiefs regarding Bradbury, they may be in pursuit of him now that he's a free agent. Now, of course, if you're Bradbury, you have to be elated that you are um, now an unrestricted free agent. Obviously, he gets to pick his next team. He gets to, nego to negotiate 
a brand new contract. If he wants to just go with a one-year deal and prove it and get ready for next year, he can do that. He can also try to land himself a pretty respectable deal multi-years if he wants to be locked away somewhere for longer than just that one year. But I think at this point in the offseason, I'm not entirely sure if a team would be willing to throw a massive deal at Bradbury just considering they probably spent most of their money already on bigger free agents. And then, of course, right now, team's focus is to lock up um, the, the rookie draft class. You're seeing some first-round picks already starting uh, to sign their contracts. I know Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick to the Detroit Lions out of Michigan, he already uh, signed his contract according to his agent, Mike McCartney, this morning. So, I'll be interested to see how, how Bradbury's market ends up shaping out to be. I would imagine that he's probably going to want to take some creative visits, um, see where, where the best possible fit is. Keep my eyes there. Washington commanders make a play. So your guys now the most aggressive deal. But again, going over his stats, I mean, a career high four interceptions. He appeared in all 17 games last season, started six today. Um, showcases the ability to stay that the New York Giants put together. Still very productive and. You know, four interceptions and the top 17 pass defenses. The guy is, is all over um, receivers, known to be a lockdown corner. And so I fully anticipate James Bradbury um, finding some good money. So we'll keep tabs on that to see when, when, uh, when he can land somewhere. And I think that'll be fascinating to see. Uh, but other news is I was talking about uh, there, there tends to be a bit more momentum for teams to to get started with the rookie minicamps earlier. Of course, the first-year head coaches, they get the first crack at getting the new in there and finally to get them up to speed. And that's why J.J. Uh, wanted him to come in and, and talk a little bit about his um, – personal experience going through rookie minicamp and seeing how he was able to learn on the move and and the difficulties that some of these rookies are going to face. I, I would love to hear his insight. I know you're supposed to be joining me um, here in a few minutes, and I'm looking forward for his insight and see what he says regarding um, the, the live and, and everything and how he's able to make that transition from college to the NFL. So JJ Wilcox, who joined me last week, we talked about that draft recap, but also what else is going around the NFL, right? We also have the, the draft grades breaking down which teams, you know, put together the strongest draft, who is making the most noise um, out there. And so I have to say uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a pretty good draft haul. You know, I think they came in and they were able to plug, plug and play some holes and, figure out some ways on how to be competitive. So I think all in all, um, the Jaguars were a team to kind of keep an eye on coming away with Trevon Walker. And then, of course, another another team's draft that I really liked was 
the uh, Houston Texans, you know, they were aggressive. They took a player of value that they felt um, was, wasn't going to be there after two, going with Derek Stingley. And so that was a surprise pick. A lot of people had um, Ahmad Gardner as the number one corner in this year's draft class. Houston Texans took the risk on Derek Stingley. And so that was also an out-of-the-box type of move. And Houston is a team that is a rebuilding side, and they know that they have a ways to go um, until they're able to secure a contending roster. But I think you have to give credit to Nick Casario, and I really, really liked that second-round pick going with Jalen Petrie, who is a, the Baylor safety, who I also had on the podcast for an interview leading up to um, draft weekend. And that's a that's a versatile piece, a guy anywhere in that Houston secondary. You know, Lovey Smith, the head coach there, now is, is taking over. And so I really like that scheme fit for Jalen Petrie and the Houston Texans. And so I, I do like what Houston was able to accomplish. And, um, you know, that's a team I feel will end up being uh, a pretty a pretty strong contender in the future years. Of course, we'll see what Davis Mills can do, right? They're going to roll with him another year. And now I see J.J. Wilcox, I think, may have already been joining. He needs to unmute his mic. I see you're still muted. There we go, J.J., are you with us? See if he can hear us. See if JJ JJ can hear us. Let me know if you can hear me, and we can uh, get going a little bit. I know the connection maybe is a little bit um, weak, but whenever you're you're ready to give it a go, you're welcome to join in on the conversation. So while he gets things sorted out, and uh, let's see. Hey, can Next you hear me? Caller. There we go, JJ. What's up, man? What's going on? I just had you a moment ago. There we go. Hey, not good. much, not much. Thank you again for having me on. Hey, man, not a problem. I, I apologize. Kind of moving the podcast around a little bit today. You know, uh, working in the schools, there's some revised schedules and all that, man. But ultimately, wanted to get you on the podcast again, JJ. Enjoyed having you on last week. We, we kind of recapped the NFL drafts, but... Um, this week, I, I was kind of telling, uh, you know, the listeners of the podcast a little bit about the rookie mini camps. You know, we, mm-hmm. we had some of those start last weekend. And, you know, knowing yourself coming into the league, we talked a little bit about your journey to the NFL last week. Um, what, what inside of any, you know, can you provide from what you remember, right? Things mm-hmm. have changed, you know, between rookie mini camps back then till, till today. But, but what right. was your, uh, your memories of rookie mini camp? Man, I was just excited. I was just excited overall to 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 be where I was, to get drafted, and finally put the cleats on and suit up with a different or the new team, my new team. So my eyes was pretty exciting. I was ready to get out there and run around and prove what I can do. I didn't know what to expect uh, because each year is different. But when I got there, man, rookie minicamp was it was hard. It was tough. It was coming in. They had you, you know, here, here, pulling you here, here, getting equipment, getting physicals, getting your dorm rooms and your rooms and everything set up, trying to get transportation so you can get back and forth to work. Um, and, it, and so it was good. But at the same time, um, it was exciting. and It was fun. I had some good coaches. I had a lot of good t- uh, players that came in with me that rookie year from Terrence Williams to Gavin Escobar to – uh, B.W. Webb to um, 
Joe Roundell to Devontae Holliman, who had a good rookie year until he, he had a bad injury. But it was fun. It was it was it was hard. It was tough, but it was it was it was exciting, and it was it was experience, great experience. Now, JJ, tell me. I mean, I know I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, like if it's every NFL team that does it, but I do know that there are conditioning tests for, mm-hmm. for rookies at these mini camps. And, you know, I, I've seen some footage, you know, of, of players that are not making it, you know, not in the best shape, I guess, party a little bit too hard during draft mm-hmm. weekend. You come in a little bit out of shape and, right. you know, you, you got to make the times for the conditioning test. Like, did you have any conditioning tests that you had to complete when you uh, started day one with the Cowboys? Unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't. I was only for three days, but it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it was in Dallas, Texas, in um, in May and June, and it was scorching hot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us was hurting. They knew that the first day was kind of put the uh, helmets on, get lined up correct, do small stuff. And the second and third day, we was flying around. So unfortunately, I, I didn't. I didn't. We didn't have to do the conditioning test, but we got our conditioning in before and after practice and during practice. That's for sure. Now, can you speak about the importance, man, of not just the rookie minicamps, but you know that these teams, and especially it's the the first-year head coaches, you know, that are going to get the head start with these minicamps, and you're getting the vets, you know, for OTA offseason workouts. You have player-led workouts. I know that's something that the mm-hmm. Cowboys have been doing. You know, you see pictures, Dak, and all the leaders out there present. Mm-hmm. I mean, how crucial are these off-season workouts for team chemistry, for team success in, in, when the football season does begin, I mean, how important is it for, for all these players to show up and mm-hmm. uh, get this offseason program started together? Um, it's pivotal. It's very pivotal. These times, here's the times that you find out what you're made of. These are times you build the connection. These are times you build the chemistry. And these small times is where you build the foundation. And it might look light and it might just be shoulder pads. I mean, just helmets and T-shirts running around. But I get to learn the guy next to me. I get to learn his strengths, his weakness. He get to learn my strengths, my weakness. He get to learn how I communicate, how I talk. He get to learn how I operate as well as I get to learn all of my soldiers at the same time, learning how we operate and flow and communicate. Because football is big. It's a team sport. If one team, one person like off, it could cost us a game. And so I think these times is, is pivotal, is crucial. I think it's a great time to get in here and fellowship, learn your new team, learn your staff, learn your coaches, learn the expectations. So when the time is to go out here and play fast and, and play good football, we're all on one page and, and one sound. And that's important, especially going into a new season, you know, and proving what you can do as a team, yet alone as an individual, because it's a performance-based, it's a performance-based, you know, professional. So I think it's pivotal. I think it was crucial. I had some great times um, in the midst of off-season, player-led team, off-season workouts as well. And um, it built some great connections. And like I said, we had some great years in Dallas and other places as well. But Dallas took out to me because, you know, that's just why I was as a rookie. So it's important. It's pivotal. I think it's I think it's, it's huge. I think it's, uh, it's needed. Like I say, it is a long season, so I, you know, maybe back off a little bit of, you know, wearing and tearing down your body, but that's the only way to really get in football shape. You know, people think they work out and do these little drills and stuff online. It's nothing like putting the helmet on and putting the cleats on and chasing the man across from you. So uh, I think it's very uh, pivotal and and crucial to be there at this time. Yeah, JJ, and, and, you know, I think you you hear more and more players talk about the importance of these – these OTAs and these, these uh, you know, 
uh, off-season workouts because this is when, as you just said, I mean, this is when the team uh, really forms that bond in the locker room. You know that you have your, your, your leaders, your vets, and then you're mixing in your new rookies. And, you know, it, it starts from the top all the way to the bottom in terms of the, the leadership morals and how you're going to operate. And that leads me to my next point is – you obviously have your mandatory OTAs, and then you have a little bit of a gap between training camp at the end of July. Um, and so my next question is, is like during that time that you get from the last mandatory mini camp to training camp in mid to late July, like what are what did you typically do, you know, during that time to kind of keep yourself in, in football shape? Um. The first thing I did after the mini camp and after the mini camps, um, I took a week off. Obviously, you got to let your body recover. Recovery is the best thing for you for sleeping, um, just letting your body come down from physically pounding, running and jumping. And that's what I did. I took a week off. After that, I slowly start incorporating field work. I know a lot of people like to hit the gym, but for a DB and for safety, how it was fun to be used, I needed to make sure that I was connected from head to toe individually, backpedaling, staying fluid, because you got to understand, I was still fresh. I only played DB for a year when I got into the league. So mm -hmm. this was going on my second year playing DB. So my my focus was fundamentals, um, understanding, uh, recognition, play recognition, formation recognition, and also, uh, you know, just being fluid on the field. I was still coming from running back. I played a whole year of it, but I still want to work on my mechanics because I feel like my fundamentals is what pushes me above the others because I can naturally play football. I'm a natural athlete. I don't play multiple positions on the field, so I can adapt to any role that I play. But for me, it was more so the fundamentals from, you know, backpedaling, recognizing stuff from a defense point of view, moving fast, quick, sound on the field because in the league it's so fast. It's so fast. A lot of stuff you got to look at. It's a lot of little stuff. And what I did was I just dumbed it down. I had a great coach in Jerome Henderson. He's the DB coach over at the New York Giants right now. And he put me in his offense, and we went over plays consistently, consistently, consistently. And even from the weight room point standpoint and training standpoint, my my um, strength and conditioning coach told me far as weight-wise and just um, gym-wise, I was perfectly fine. If anything, he could work on some small mechanics here and there and foundations. And that's what I kind of stuck to my rookie year. I took a week off. And after that week or week and a half, I hit it hard all the way up close to about, about four to five days into camp. And you kind of back off a little bit and get your body in groove to peak back up. Because once you hit into camp, it's full throttle. So um, that's kind of how mine was and how I've kind of shaped mine differently. Every year it changes, though. But that's how it was for my um, rookie mini camp and going into my rookie uh, full training camp. And I appreciate the insight. It's awesome, you know. And, and for those of you who are not just tuning in, I know a lot of people tune in later after we posted it. Um, this is NFL safety J.J. Wilcox, who's um, joining the Pro Football Chase podcast again and uh, look to make him a regular on uh, Monday afternoon shows. But, J.J., um, some big news in the NFL, and, and I appreciate your your in-depth analysis on these workouts and what you do to keep your body in shape. But let's go ahead and change courses here. Um, we had James Bradbury, um, the okay. very good corner for the New York yeah. Giants. The Giants, they tried to trade him leading up to the NFL draft. They had some talks with the Chiefs, the Houston Texans. Um, this is a cornerback that's just 28 years old, you know, in his prime, 
coming off a career year, four interceptions, mm-hmm. 17 pass defenses, and the Giants announced today that they have released. So now James Bradbury is on the market. Of James um, so when you look at his game, J.J. Bradbury is able to to do on the field and bring to a secondary. What type of market this type of player is going to have now? He's going to have a high market. Like I say, he's not coming off a year where he was out for a whole year or was injured. He had a seasonal high-end career, and he's proved himself multiple times around this league. I know James Bradbury very well. I trained with him here in Atlanta. I've also, um, he went to one of my uh, rivals in Sanford when I was in Georgia Southern. And um, he, he's a great corner, man. He's got great size. He got great upsize. He's proven himself. And he's dependable. And he's accountable. And that's what guys in the NFL is. You know, if, if you're accessible and you're available, you will win. You know, it's the people that, you know, unfortunately, you can't control everything. It's the injuries and stuff that keep people kind of, reaching that potential or just maybe getting um, overlooked at times. But for James Bradbury, it's the total opposite. I know I know he's at a point in his career where he's maybe looking for a great place to fit. And I know eventually he's going to find it because, you know, like I say right now, the draft just went down. The teams want to find out what they have and some guys at, a, you know, maybe at a lower, cheaper rate or just see in general what they have and see going into a training camp it's something they want to stick with. It's something they want to prove on. It's something they want to add. So I'm, I'm, I think, James, this is just temporarily. I think maybe he just couldn't find. I don't actually know. But just looking from outside, coming off a career that he had last year, um, I'm thinking maybe just trying to find a good fit for him and what his strengths is and um, how the teams want to kind of use them. So it will be interesting to see over the next few weeks where, um, where he go. And that's a, that's a prospect that we also keep our eye on. Well, I know I know one thing's for sure. I know Kansas City was one of the, the most linked teams to James Bradbury during the trade talk stages, but you know, you know, Kansas City, they they really went hard at D B in the draft, you know, drafting um mm-hmm. uh going going round one, taking the corner out of Washington, McDuffie, and so you know that now they, they probably want to see what they got, you know, so so that's one less team that's maybe in the mix for Bradbury, but JJ, I mean, to, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, James Bradbury, I, I think he's underrated. He doesn't get the, the talk that some of, some of the other top corners get in the NFL. Of course, he was a standout there in Carolina. Dave mm-hmm. Gettleman was the GM with the G-Men when they signed James Bradbury to that mega deal. Um, and, and so you look at the Giants. I mean, last year they had a tough year, but for, for James to come away with four interceptions, 17 pass defenses, made himself available in all 17 games. I mean, this is a that's a pretty high-caliber player that I'm sure yeah. a lot of teams out there in the NFL right now are going to circle Bradbury and see, you know, let's find a way, whether it be a one-year incentive-based deal that they right. can get him, you know, for one year, he puts together a great year, and then he can always revisit free agency next year when there's more options and more money available. But uh, I think this is pretty significant, um, JJ, because a contending team that's looking for a quarter, a, a cornerback to to start opposite of of a number one option already. I think they they have something in James Bradbury, and I'm really excited to see where he lands. Right, me too. And um, curious to see what what division he'll go to. I don't know if he'll stay in the NFC, but I wouldn't mind seeing him over there. Uh, he got some good. He has some good. 
cornerbacks in this conference as well, from Darius Slay over at Philly. Yeah, Trevor um, Tavon Diggs over Dallas. And that, that whole division was pretty good, you know, as far as defensive backs. So, like you say, the Bears to see. I had to do some homework myself and see who in needs of a cornerback. And I'm just trying to pick up a think of a good fit that he might go. But um, I'm excited for him. And I, I know whoever get him is going to get a star caliber player that's probably going to come in hungry. And I think, to be honest with you, I think the G-man is just trying to find their way right now. You know, I think that's why he's kind of got mixed up and got on the release side, just because they couldn't hurry up and get him away. Not get him away, but get him a good deal where he could be taken care of and not just thrown to the wolves in a sense. So um, I think that's kind of where he was. It's kind of the crosshair of a team that's trying to find their identity, see what the youth can do, and um, just build from there. But like I say, I should I keep my eyes on him for the next few days. It should be long before um, you see his name flash across signing with somebody. Well, JJ, you know, as we as we get ready to uh, you know to wrap up the episode, I, I do know there's a couple of uh, other agents out there that are looking to find a home, including yourself, JJ. Right. Hey, we didn't mention your shape. You're already kind of to to the teams last week, but uh, Jadavion Clowney is another guy that's still on the market. Um, edge mm. rusher, and you know that while he doesn't put up the, the most sacks, he is a disruptive player coming off the edge. And I know Cleveland had expressed some interest in trying to bring him back. I don't know where those talks currently stand. But, you know, Tyron Matthew recently found a home. He went home and signed yeah. with the Saints. Um, I thought that's a fantastic move for Mickey Loomis. You now look at New Orleans, JJ. You got the Honey Badger. You got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Marshawn Lattimore, P.J. Williams. I mean, New Orleans under Dennis Allen now as their head coach, they're looking pretty yeah. stout on defense, huh? Marcus May, too, as well. Don't forget about Marcus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the Saints are pretty strong overall, general from outside all the way to the back end for safety. So, um, I think they're going to be a strong contender. I think um, I think the only thing might be the difference maker in that. We're just getting that offense. It's the first year for that offense. Uh, did Dennis Allen keep anybody from the offensive side, coaches? So, so they uh, offensive side they did. They retain retain the OC. I think uh, Carmichael. I believe he's staying there in New Orleans. So they're going to keep that content continuity um, on mm-hmm. offense. Of course, Dennis Allen is going to oversee the the defense. They did elevate Chris Richard, the secondary coach, um, okay. to co-DCs co- with, I think, another position coach. So they're trying to keep as much, you know, continuity there in New Orleans as possible, bringing back Jameis on that on that uh, one-year right. deal. So mm-hmm. New Orleans, though, you know, uh, of course, went to go grab uh, a receiver, trying to, to give somebody compliment to Michael Thomas. But mm-hmm. right now, I mean, that defense looks pretty good. Right. Defense win championships. I'm a big firm believer in that. They got some good guys up front that can get after the passer. They got some good linebackers. Um, and um, their secondary is, like I said, you might you might not find a stronger one from outside in, you know, from, you know, corner nickel all the way back to the free and strong safety. So, and they got veterans. They got guys that have been in some championships that won some Super Bowls and retiring. Uh, Marcus Mays played some good ball last year, too. I played with him up in the Jets for a smaller period of time. So, um, I love Lattimore's game. I like Chauncey. He's a guy to get in your face, and he's not as scared to, you know, to get after you. So, I'm excited for the Saints. They should, they should be a good team, that, you know, like I say, to watch. And uh, I want to see how, you know, forms together and, and build out. 
And mind you, JJ, they, the receiver they took, they had two first-round picks. Remember, they took Chris Olave. They traded up mm-hmm. and took another Ohio State wideout to go pair with Michael Thomas. And then they went uh, Trevor Penning with their second first-round pick, trying to to shore up that left tackle spot after Taron Armstead signed with the Dolphins in oh, yeah. free agency. You know, so I, I really like those first two first-round picks for the Saints. They kind of plugged their their biggest holes on offense because you know now on defense they're pretty set but uh yeah certainly keeping my eyes on the new orleans saints i know the the bucks are getting all the love because brady's back for another year and you know they're retaining a lot of pieces but new orleans is still there and they've beaten the bucks four straight yeah. times in the That's regular what I was season say. i don't think brady ever beat have you ever beat the saints has he been there I nope yeah nope yeah I don't think so. So I don't know whatever New Orleans is doing. I just tell them, keep it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, man. Like I say, so. Yes, sir. But uh, no, so so we'll continue to keep tabs, JJ. You know, as I said, um, this week's a little bit different. The timing's a little bit off. But but the plan is, and especially for all those listening, uh, you're going to you're gonna be in for a treat having JJ Wilcox on the <laughs> podcast. You know, he's, he's bringing his insight as a player. Um, and we'll definitely, you know, that if there's any news on JJ Wilcox signing anywhere, you're going to have to tune into Pro Football Chase on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, because I'll be plugged in with my guy, making sure that, you know, he's he's getting the opportunities that he needs. But, Absolutely. you know, JJ, as, as I always say, man, it's it's a blessing to have you on the podcast. We're going to chat about some some more trending topics next Monday. But uh, again, man, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And I thank you for keeping me in mind. And like I said, you'll be the first First to know when J.J. Wilcox signs somewhere because it's coming. So I'm excited and I I thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, J.J., well, you take care, man. God bless. Uh, Keep up the great work, and and I look forward to hearing from you. And and if not, if anything doesn't break, we'll see you right back here next Monday um, on the podcast. All right, looking forward to it. Thank you. All right, bro. Blessings. Blessings, bro.